Mike is stepping over my introduction. I told you, you I introduced the show. I told you I have an introduction. Oh, I didn't hear you. What's your Mike fucking introduction? Was your question to Zach that important? Was that Let's was take really? turns, well, everyone. It's, it's game of well, ties into the train. The train. Oh. No, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to start off on such a low note. Right. It is kind of a low I, note. I have something mildly like depressing, but also a little bit more satisfying to start the show with. So, guys. Mm. Yes? Waiting for the Emmys to get to the drama portion of the evening is a bit like being stranded on a rock with very little sustenance. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Welcome or to like Game of Thrones. listening to your analogies. Oh, <laughs> that was a pretty good one, you guys. Let's we give love for, this one. For an this, episode where are. we're combining Davos's chapter discussion yes. with the ongoing and currently airing Emmys, mm-hmm. I challenge you to do better. But No, that was um, excellent. For those of you playing you. at home you, tonight... The night we're recording, the day before you're listening, Game of Thrones is nominated for count them, 19 Emmys. I thought it was 99. I thought it was actually 99. That was HBO. Oh. Yeah, HBO got 99. Okay. By the way, Kate, thanks for the birthday wishes. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Kate, uh, thanks for not doing the ice bucket challenge that I challenged oh, you to. This is like pick on um, Kate. What is this, Kate? I got if you. If we're back. thanking, if we're thanking wow. Kate for something, let's just Jeez. let's just go and do that. But I do have to say, you grow a wonderful beard. Thank you. I sent Micah a picture of my cat, and now he thinks that's what I look like in real life. It's close, <laughs> but no it cigar. Is close. It's very close. Yeah. I'm much more what scornful way? looking. Did you see that you were nominated for the Ice Bucket Challenge by me? Yeah, I saw it. Listen, okay. here's the problem. I don't want to throw Ice Bucket on myself. and mm. <laughs> Get someone to do it for you. I also just quit my job, so I probably should not be donating $100 to ALS, although it is a very frightening and terrible disease. Well, I, I will donate on your behalf, and then that will clear this up. Great. That makes all, that makes all the sense in the world. Thank you very much, Eric. You're welcome. So, yeah, I quit my job, guys. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, we've got like, what, $200 a month on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we're so good by now. I figure why bother with that steady job? Eric and I, last night in Chicago, recorded a big chunk of stuff for those little birds out there. <gasps> Patreon uh-huh. people. Uh-huh. A little bit it of fun. It was a great... It's really phenomenal how <laughs> when you're sitting across uh, a, a kitchen table or a war room table, mm-hmm. uh, as, as we were last night, looking into each other's faces while we talk about things that we loved, mm-hmm. uh, namely Game of Thrones and a little bit of Star Trek there. Um, it's really the conversation just... just uh, we get You get lost in, in the time. And not that I'm ever sitting here like looking at my watch when we're doing game of owns but it flew and i think the quality of it was was very high so i can't wait for our little birds to hear that i don't believe what eric said though about not w- looking at his watch because it doesn't he charge us per hour to to be on the show i get, I get me. to be on the show for free he bills us <laughs> that, that's what i'm saying <laughs> collective billing. you know i just like i just like handwriting uh receipts on those old receipt pads like that you get at like diners and <laughs> like double-sided ones yeah, yeah, yeah. I have such off, like yeah. an obsession. You guys know it's my OCD. You don't actually have to fulfill those. You just have to let me keep sending them and writing them to you with the, the bills. Or, and the- yeah, the the only um thing is Eric has to give me the yellow side. That's my favorite. Easier on the eyes. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the carbon copied bottom half that I'm supposed to keep for my records, but yeah. because right, but he lets me have it. Yeah. You go to the cashier that doesn't accept the uh, credit card, right? You can only pay cash. <laughs> That's true. I, I, th- I, you know, I have it stored. And you get under- the little mints that you're not supposed to <laughs> eat because they're full of like 
carcinogens. You know, while the Emmys are on uh, commercial break still, and I wonder what awards are coming up next, I did want to say in general it was a wonderful time. Uh, not in general, in specifics, it was a wonderful time having Zach over to Chicago uh, over the Thank weekend. You. And he attended uh, – we attended uh, an event uh, at – that was held at the Rosemont Theater right across from the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center where they had Chicago Comic-Con and uh, from yeah. what I understand, the same people are doing New York Comic Con in a couple of weeks, and yep. I have a feeling that more than one of us will be there. Yeah, there's going to be some Game of Owns action. What? At New York Comic Con. So if anyone's <sighs> listening to the show right now, stay tuned. Come to New York. Our mood can be uh, attributed <laughs> to the fact that um, the show is really fun for us right now because the summer is awesome. Our lives are great. Uh, Kate has quit her job, so what's not to celebrate there? <laughs> Um, you can come to New York now. Yeah. yeah just, holding you back. What Get else? in your car or on your bike. <laughs> she can ride her bike here. She rode yeah, bike what did you bike ride right to Seattle? I mean, New York City is not that much further. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, you I got, live in Seattle. You have a whole month. Oh, or, you bike ride, you, you rode your bike to Portland then, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. See? So Portland, Seattle, it's, it's basically... Basically the same as New York. This is... this yeah. is okay. the other direction. If you're still listening, our, our nightmare episode so far, that is this... <laughs> Uh, hey, I we, found this a lot of hey, fun to be honest with I, you. I think this is relevant content. Will some will somebody on this gosh darn podcast rattle off all of the Emmys that Game of Thrones has been nominated for? I vote Eric. Uh I have to go to our new home, watchersonthewall.com to get that list for you because I was busy memorizing the free cities and the names of the free cities yesterday on the maps and all that. And so uh my retention for the awards um is not what it used to be. So watchersonthewall.com. So just as an update for everyone, while Eric is looking up that list, strike, relax, it's just a bone. Uh, these <laughs> are the creative arts Emmys that Game of Thrones has won so far this year. Ready? Art direction okay. for a contemporary or fantasy series, single camera, Game of Thrones. Do we get some cheers, people? <sighs> They're cheering at home. Winner, yeah. special and visual effects. Mm-hmm. Winner. Very special. Very visual. Costumes for a series. The Lion Ooh. and the Rose. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, prosthetic makeup for a series, miniseries, movie, or special, The Children. Uh, but we all kind of retroactively think that it's a, an award for Hodor's penis. So congrats to all involved with that. Yeah, I mean, they missed they miss the opportunity for that. So Eric, what you got for us? What's what, what are we, so, what are we, what's on the line tonight? You know, it seems like if we're talking about like a really important line, there is, f- there are five major uh, categories that we are nominated for. Now there are 19 altogether, and I believe the creative arts may be included in that or not, but the five major ones that are not creative arts that are going to be aired, hopefully within the next two hours, uh, as we sit and record. Hopefully, this show. then while we record the show, yeah, 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 yeah. not recording the yeah, show for two, two hours. hours. No, we are okay. not. We got drinks we to have, get tonight. No, Come we on, got, man. Yeah, yes, drinks, please. right? Drink oh plans. You have okay. no idea how much I need them. Without further ado, <laughs> outstanding drama series. How about that? So that uh, that is. That is obvious. I think that's probably going to be the last award they announce. Yeah. Um, yes. Then we have uh, supporting actor and supporting actress. So outstanding supporting actor in a drama is Peter Dinklage, who I thought Peter had a particularly Dinklage. strong season. Yeah. Dinklage. Super. I hope he wins. Man, when they when he wins, they should just play instead of the Thrones theme. <laughs> they should just play the Peter Dinklage. Peter. I think they will actually. Yeah. But uh, outstanding supporting actress Lena Headey, and. Uh, that is so. That's for a drama series leading. Uh, Can I just say that actress. she in her dress this evening, all dark and fabulous. Not that I even am a person that has the right to comment on what anyone's wearing, but uh, 
other people were, so I'm going to point it out. I have liked I have liked Lena Headey in Black ever since uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I um, love you. Like I think you guys should do like a runway Emmys <laughs> <laughs> dress analysis. That would uh, be amazing. George R. R. Martin just got some screen time on the Emmys. Yeah. As, uh, Ooh, what's he Weird wearing Al today? Weird Al is performing. <gasps> uh, I don't know why. Yeah, Weird Al is performing right now. I'm unmuting it. One oh second. My God. You guys, I've been a giant Weird Al fan. He was the first concert I ever went to. Oh, he's getting handed a typewriter right now. Yeah? Yes. He just ty- he just typed, I think, a word of the new book. <gasps> he did. What did he just sing? He ended it with Valor Morghulis. Oh, sings, oh this is a Game of Thrones medley that he's doing right now, and he's got a sword. This is really cool. Oh, my oh God. My this God. is so cool. How did we not wow. know this was happening? This is, aw- this is awesome. He's typing. It doesn't get much better than this. Speaking this of Game of fun. Thrones. Look at that. And Lena Headey. Lena Headey's. Oh, look at her dress. You're right, dude. Sandberg is trolling her dressed as Joffrey. <laughs> this is cool. Very cool. This is how real episodes are made, by Pretty the way. Pretty much, yeah. This, no, this is like how every episode is made when Mike is watching football, except now it's all of us stopping <laughs> to, to look at the, the No, TV. he's watching Syracuse basketball usually. After after so, like after every five minutes, Zach asks Micah for the update on the score, and Micah just reports it, and they just edit <laughs> yeah, it out. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, yeah. <laughs> How are they doing every yeah, time before we cool, do the, you know, I'm, I'm putting this back on mute so we can get yeah, back to this. I, uh, I think, honestly, I think Nikolai steals the show every time with his outfit, uh, his suit. He just looks good in a suit. There is a man who looks good <laughs> in a suit. And uh, to continue the list that Eric was reading earlier, outstanding writing in a drama series, The Children. Why the hell would you do my job for me? <laughs> Penny off and TV wise. <laughs> was I not doing it fast enough for you? Uh, you remember okay. what happened at the top of the show? Do the last one. Outstanding I'm sorry. writing. And outstanding directing Jeez. in a drama series. The writing is for the episode, the children, the finale episode, and the directing is to Neil Marshall for the Watchers on the Wall. I think he'll, I think he'll win. Yeah, that was an amazing. I episode. think he will win. And, uh, I, I don't think that on on many levels that they can contest giving it no. to another. Uh, well, director. we'll find out. Probably, we certainly will. There's future. definitely a, a swatch of styles uh, that are nominated for that category, but I just think. Not only stylistically did he transcend television in a lot of ways, but on a just a, on a work oh. level, just on a work level, I just that remember man that deserves an almost award. Almost panoramic shot, yeah, uh, during the it was fight. Nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, there's I, so many things you could point to in that episode. Yeah, For, don't forget about the giants, the mammoth. Yeah, I like the yeah. I like the long take in general, and I like to see it get awarded um, as often as possible. In a recent interview with Neil Marshall, he said that they nailed that shot in seven takes. <laughs> Strike, dude. <laughs> Come on. He's like, wow. <laughs> Strike does not agree takes. with you, Zach. He's like, seven takes. <laughs> He's a big Ghost fan. All right. When we watch Game of Thrones together, every time Ghost comes on the screen, he just like sits and watches. Really. Oh, just, oh, Ghost. oh uh, Strike. He's got somebody to look up to. He looks up to Ghost. He does. <laughs> Do you hear him right now? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess as we work our way through the Emmys here, let, we we can talk about Davos, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we did try and make some uh, analogies earlier yes, on. St- in the show. We mean we tried. I think we <laughs> nailed that analogy. Eric made a beautiful analogy earlier on in the show. Yeah. And uh, he did. You know, this is it, one thing I noticed about these chapters at the beginning of Storm of Swords is. They are pretty short. Eh. Well, maybe it's just because I'm reading it on the computer as opposed to actually physically holding the book. No, you're right. This was only like eight pages, I think. Yeah. Back to back. Or like, or I think it's 
two and a half in the PDF. That's <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's really short. It is really short chapter, but uh, it was a big reveal. And I know we talked a little bit about this on the one uh, towards the end of the last episode. In that, you left uh, the end of a Clash of Kings not knowing if Davos was alive, mm-hmm. and you know as you begin your read through a Storm of Swords, you're now several chapters in, and all of a sudden you're hit with this Davos chapter, and so for a reader. You know, not having had the luxury of the show at this point, uh, you know, going through the first time, I'm sure Kate, it was the same way for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a character who is very much liked, um, not just in the show, but in the books and really, as we've talked about in the show in the past, a character who is of low birth, really the only character of low birth whose eyes we see through and you really get a sense of how badly he is struggling, uh, in this chapter. Yeah, struggling with his own desire to live, um, the fact that all of his sons died in this battle, all the ones that were in the battle have died. Um, he's starving to death. He's cracking open crabs and sucking out their guts. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. For, for whatever reason, he's, he's just barely surviving. Um, and he's having this big existential quandary. And you get to revisit the Battle of Blackwater through his eyes, which you didn't get to see in the previous book. Um, I don't think I think you saw most of the battle through Tyrion's eyes, if I'm not mistaken, in, right. the, in Clash of Kings. Yep. But here you get to see it through the side of the of the loser, right, of Stannis's side, um, right. and understand how horrific that battle was for them. And and even knowing that he's slowly starving to death for days now on this rock, you can't help but feel that a tremendous amount of badassery has taken place because he does recount the battle getting thrown into the water, but then having to survive. And, and one of the things that I think uh, really about these chapters at the beginning of storm of swords is how well they're placed. I say it every week, but um, coming down off of Tyrion's chapter where he, he really didn't feel like he was being credited for making any damn bit of a difference. Here we have Davos who's recounting how he had to swim under this giant chain that was raised across, but, Blackwater and he had to make sure that he could get get kind of under it and pass it all while holding his breath and in the meantime there's all these knights like grabbing at him and they're drowning right, right around where he's swimming so it was like total badassery even though he's like starving to death you couldn't help but feel like he was just like this huge survivor and this really awesome thing has happened but also with the chain well that's Tyrion's you know biggest contribution we all said it last week but you know it did cause a huge issue for everybody and i think you know getting that little bit of um credence or that little bit of uh, acknowledgement there uh just felt good to 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 read about especially following the chapter that we just had with mm-hmm. Tyrion you know it exactly. really adds perspective to what he was saying with Tywin mm-hmm. yeah exactly for sure do you we didn't get to see this in the show right the, the yes. cool flashbacks of him oh no swimming no, or not. any of the dead guys like that i feel like that would have been pretty damn cool to see if, uh, imagine if they would have put that in that extra perspective of the bodies <laughs> underneath the green yeah. like, imagine the fire above the the, the water and the like the weird glassy reflections and oh uh, man i'll just put in half-blood prince and watch the inferi scene at the end <laughs> for for that oh my god you guys i'm halfway through order of the phoenix right now on Ooh. my rewatch marathon yeah. and man goblet of fire is still the best one i swear what, I, movie wise 
Yeah. But you know in Half-Blood Prince where there's like a fire over a lake <laughs> and there's like dead bodies that are reanimated reaching for Harry and Dumbledore? Uh, that sounds the, like that sounds like something that happens. This yeah. is that's, the wrong show. Yeah. Okay, well, no, that's what I know. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. It's exactly that in Davos's flashback. So it we is, have yeah. a show. We have I a just, show. I want to have something else in common with you guys. So I'm rewatching Harry Potter. Oh, okay? thank you, Kate. Oh, well, we, we, you know, we have. I've worn hair, so we kind of have. We have a show that does not do flashbacks as a rule. <laughs> and so I think, I think how the show adapted, I wanted to talk about this a little later, but how the show adapted the Davos surviving, uh, I thought was really, really quite cool because, I mean, in the show, he just basically, he's the first one to notice that it is in fact wildfire that is leaking out of the ghost ship. He only has enough time to shout wildfire and jump overboard before he's essentially blown off the ship. So it, it was kind of chaotic in its own right. We, we didn't see, granted, him like gasping for air and knowing that if he takes one more breath, his lungs will be incinerated. But, you know, also when he gets rescued, when he sees that ship approaching, I felt it was much more um suspenseful in the show, actually. Uh, because he, there's the, that dramatic, um, dialogue. I think it was really played up a little bit more as to the danger, as to who does he declare as, as him having fought for. Here in the book, he actually recognizes that the, 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 um, the ship, it belongs to Salador San. So he knows that it's okay to say that he was on Stannis's side. I think I think that part is like cut out of the show. I think in the show it's just really up to those two men that are eyeing each other down as to whether or not Stannis survives. So I really like that little teeny change that was in the show. Shall we introduce the chapter? I don't know. It has diarrhea in the opening paragraph. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> he watched the sail grow for a long time, trying to decide whether he would sooner live or die. Dying would be easier, he knew. All he had to do was crawl inside his cave and let the ship pass by, and death would find him. For days now, the fever had been burning through him, turning his bowels to brown water and making him shiver in his restless sleep. Each morning found him weaker. It will not be much longer, he had taken to telling himself. So we're facing basically a Davos Seaworth that has been here for an extended amount of time. And uh, not only is he battling with what happened, but he's battling with the elements. And I think that those elements are almost just as scary as what he's expecting to happen if he makes it out and also what did happen. Like, we're kind of not really focusing on the fact that he could either starve to death or die of thirst because he has a chapter. So I, I think we kind of safely assume that he's going to make it out, but it's pretty bad what's happening. He's, he's crawling to the bottom of this, of this rock that's a spire jutting out of the bay. And he's mm -hmm. basically sucking the moisture from the dirty spots down on the bottom and uh, hoping that it has, you know, over time been able to evaporate most of its salt content, you know, because the salinity around him is a recipe for death, essentially. Oh, yeah. He's the perfect guy for this. Like, he's the perfect guy to get stranded on a rock. He even knows which rock this is because of his years as a smuggler in these parts. Like, it's just... It's lucky. It's nobody else would be able to do exactly what he's doing here. I mean, I think everybody would give a good try. Um, but he really, even though he might not admit it, he has the tools. He has the capability to at least survive long enough to get rescued. And, and maybe he wouldn't have survived for very much longer. Um, I think he knows that death is coming, but you know, he's praying a lot and, and bringing that in. But I, I think that really he did have some skills that, 
were able to help him at least his knowledge helped him keep a clear head over all this and not completely panic or not uh he's he's discouraging himself from swimming because there are other spires in fact one that has um some birds on it more frequently than the one he's currently on but he knows the current of the water and he knows that the, it would just suck him under and that he's not strong enough to really make it so his knowledge of the you know his seafaring ways his memory really save his life on more than one occasion you know the last couple of days i think i think it's interesting to compare this chapter to the one before it i know we kind of tied the two together a little bit before but just two men being completely reduced to their utter lowest level mm-hmm. i think Tyrion, even though he's had pretty much everything taken away from him is still within the comforts of being a Lannister. But then you have somebody like Davos who is battling all these elements. I think they're looked at as the trio of, uh, he calls them companions, you know, thirst, hunger, and exposure. Um, like but, that. you know, these are things that could any of them at any moment easily kill him. And just the way the chapters have been written, Eric, you were talking about that before, but you have two characters who are in very, different circumstances but are facing very similar situations yeah and and on top of all that we are reminded that it is in fact autumn um he talks about the autumn wind on on blackwater and that does influence the current but for me it just gave me a little bit uh of chills knowing that you know what what comes after autumn is is winter it's no longer summer it's kind of one of those things that they said i think even in the beginning of book one but the season gets a little shout out here and it's it's fully i guess we can say it's fully autumn and we just don't it's know how much autumn. longer that's going to, going to last. Autumn is coming. Something something that I also like at the end of this chapter is the order in which Davos's realizations come to him as the Lyseni ship sails up to him. Um, he says, you know, that the sailor finds him and asks him which king he's serving. Davos says, her hull was striped. She was Lysene. She was Salador Sans. The mother sent her here, the mother in her mercy. She had a task for him. Mm. Stannis lives, he knew then. I have a king still. And sons, I have other sons and a wife, loyal and loving. How could he have forgotten? The mother was merciful indeed. Like, he was ready to die. Yeah. Just, like, give up and die because he thought Stannis was gone. And then when he realized, he's like, oh, Stannis is alive. Ugh. Oh, and right, I have a whole family waiting for me. Like this, <laughs> yeah, loyal, the family he conveniently forgotten first. about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Whoa. paragraph gave me goose flesh. It's yeah. cool because he, 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 he's the, this this guy deserves to live, and I feel like we've come to expect in the story, not, not, not. We've come to expect not to expect. Uh, good people to transcend danger in the face of what would probably kill them because George is so much mm-hmm. a realist in this story. But uh, to strengthen his realist resolve, Davos Seaworth is the man for this job. What? How badass would it have been if we had a Davos chapter and we didn't, for instance, like when Mike and I were reading this for the first time and it's like, oh, Davos made it. Thank God. And then he dies at the end of the chapter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that would so just baller. be like George oh, R. R. Just, totally, that would have totally. been really mean. One actually. last croak. Well, do you think it was divine intervention? Hear me out here. Because he remembers drowning. He remembers passing out. Um, and like he woke up on this rock, which he thinks they're going to name after him Onion Rock if they recognize his corpse one day. <laughs> I hope so. You know, he, 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 uh, he hopes they name it Onion Rock in his honor, but he remembers drowning. He passed out when he was not yet above water. 
And so did somebody, did, you know, resuscitate him? What brought him? What carried him besides the current? Why is he not? Why did he not sink with all the other men there? Because the mother in all her mercy still has a task for him. Obviously. So it's divine intervention. And that Whoa. task is terrifying. <laughs> Isn't it? He was smart in that he didn't wear any armor. So that helped him. Yep. You know, go to the surface as opposed to right. Uh, he only wore a helmet. Sinking. Then, oh, right. I was yeah. going to say. Then again, how stupid was that if he was facing arrows or anything other than wildfire? <laughs> like well, he was prepared because I mean he was in a ship and you know he this guy is a waterfaring man and uh, you know when he when he went underwater you can say um, divine intervention came into play and, and maybe it does you know maybe it has an overarching thing to do with the story and with his uh, his journey with Stannis but just just what he's learned throughout his life and the way that he swam and the way that this chapter describes it I recommend anyone listening that maybe isn't following along with us in, in the reading just to read this chapter if you don't want to read the rest or something it's I don't know short. why you wouldn't but it's really short and there's so much really really great contextual like in his mind dialogue yeah. that it's just you learn so much about Davos not having him yeah. as a point of view character yet and in this first chapter, George really just gives you Davos Seaworth. Yeah. And, and Davos was his first point of view chapter was the prologue, wasn't it? Of the Meister Crescent. Oh, was that no, Meister was, Crescent? Okay. Yeah. So we did, we did get him. Never mind. But, but, you know, the scene really introing Dragonstone of the, in the prologue of the previous book, um, you get Davos's, uh, and his first chapter was when they were burning the seven. And this is a big deal in this chapter because he's recalling it and he's saying how the mother has essentially killed his sons as a result of his treason or, or sorry, blasphemy. Um, you know, to the, to the gods that he did not speak up. And so when he's talking about having a task, I interpret it as being he's got to basically attack the Lord of Light and destroy, um, the, the, his king's, um, dedication to him or to it. He says, uh, that the fire took everything he had. The fire took it all. And so I, I think he's he's coming out of this and and thanking the mother for his survival. But he's really got like um he's on a mission from Gad um to <laughs> to, to now denounce you know the Lord of Light. I I think that that could be now an extra reason for him not to like Melisandre and not to support but anything. Melisandre she does. at the same time was not at Blackwater, yep. so can you really blame her for what happened and? You know, you you touched on the inferior earlier. You and Kate both, and we kind of joked. The two Harry Potter with, fans in this podcast, Kate, yeah, right? And I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. And uh, I, I, when I read that passage, it reminded me very much of of an underworld type of passage where you know he's he's swimming, he's trying to get underneath the chain or through the chain. He's got all these people clawing at him, trying to drag him down, and it's like the river sticks fire above him. Yeah, it's a bit like that. And Charon's like somehow, some way, he emerges <laughs> and he's safe, and he's you know dying on this rock in the middle of Blackwater Bay, and all of a sudden he's saved. And you know, like Tyrion, he's been reduced to nothing. He's been physically and mentally reduced to nothing. He's lost a good majority of his family and that's not even reflected in the show really um the number of sons that he loses in this battle and he also loses his good luck charm his he fingers his, he does his fingers. now he isn't it funny a few years before that so isn't isn't it funny that he <laughs> lost no but he kept him the bones he still had the bones of his fingers isn't it funny he names that he he, he knows that he's lost four sons and he thinks he maybe lost five, but he he names four of them that are gone now, and he lost four of his fingers that were around his neck. 
Do you guys think that's uh, significant? Hmm. That's a good point. That's my breakout theory. That's my, that's my like, Hey, it's in a, it's a, it's a reference. The four fingers that he used to keep around his neck. It makes me think of four strands of rope from three ninjas. I, I invite you, Eric, to, if you think there's a connection there to draw it. I'm oh, I just sure. did. Right. I mean, you just connected no, two things and then waited for us to explain them. That's like the same thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I just mean, look, he had four fingers that were around his neck and yes. he lost, and he lost them in the Battle of Blackwater. Sure. The, the mother took them, that bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also took his sons. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was mad at the mother for a while there, wasn't he? But I feel like, you know, as we go deeper inside of his mind in this chapter, uh, he starts to understand that he was like, it was Melisandre. It was Melisandre. Like, how could you be, how could you do this to me? She was the one who did it, who burnt the likenesses of you and your companions on that beach. And then, you know, it goes to italic text. It's less of him yelling because he's a little tired and more of him thinking, well, I just, I just stood there. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't he was stop complicit. her. I didn't really forcefully ask Stannis to really end it. It was, it was a few sentences and he kind of shut me up. Like he inside of his mind knows the will of his being. He's able to survive what happened to him. He's able to still be alive yet. He couldn't stand up for everything that he's believed in his entire life to a man. And uh, it's just it, it, it draws a lot of, of, of strange threads forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to how his character will play out in his interactions with Stannis and with Melisandre. And like we know uh, sort of the, the, the broad brushstrokes from the show, but uh, even more so like this chapter is just a, a really great example. You know, we got a shot or two and we got the, the boat coming up in the TV show, but here in this chapter, there's so much more. So I can only imagine uh, how much more of this dialogue and this internal struggle he's having uh, will come to play in this book. I'm excited. Davos is uh, an interesting dude, obviously, but he is a very religious man as uh, Eric, you, I think you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, he's very godly and he makes a mo- many of his chapters make direct references to this, but he worships Stannis over all of them. Um, and it's an, it's an interesting thing when you, when you consider how religious he is, but Stannis is sort of his true God. As you said, Zach, like he stood by and just let the seven Burn. be burned, right? Yeah. Um, because Stannis told him not to complain about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is my, my new God is the Lord of Light and you can, you know, put up or shut up. I don't care. <laughs> and so, and when you think about it, Davos respected him more than he respected the, the thought of his own gods. So I think it's it's um sort of worth noting that he worships a man over uh an idea and and But hasn't that changed? No, I don't think so. Um he he in this chapter, he again, like that part that I read earlier where he's more relieved that his his king is alive than the he is king. about his his own family, you know? Um and he's he's just sort of blindly Way, way, way into Stannis. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a great thing for Stannis because Davos is an awesome guy to have on your side. Yeah. Um, he gets things done and can survive basically anything. He feels like, it feels like he's sort of indestructible at this point. But for <laughs> some, for some reason, the concept of Stannis allowing him to keep his life, even though he lost his fingers, I, I think has done like a real number on Davos. Like, Maybe what he believes about the gods is that they are uh, the absolute sense of justice as well. So Stannis acting in this way sort of gave conveyed upon him a godlike stature 
to Davos? I don't know. But when Stannis doesn't share Davos as God, here's where the conflict happens. And we've seen this in the show in the future too. But I think that in, in thanking the mother for his survival here, you know, I really think that he is meant to go get back with Stannis, but, but to denounce the Lord of Light. I really think there's right. a, like a religious battle that has to take place now for Davos to discredit the Lord of Light as he, we know he tries to do, but at the same time, I really think it's in this chapter, in the text of this chapter, that he is supposed to, like, he has a task now. It is said that, like, the mother gives him a task. Mm-hmm. And I think that task is to basically reassert the gods. Well, he does say when, uh, they ask him who he is, he, he thinks to himself, they're like, you up there on the rock, you know, the only guy there that could have been like, hey, uh, you <laughs> that we just, you know, rode to after we sailed as close as we could, uh, before the danger, uh, was threatening hey, our vessel. Mr. Siegel. Yeah, you guy over there. Uh, who are you? And his, his thought was immediately a smuggler who rose above himself, thought Davos, a fool who loved his king too much and forgot his gods. So at least he's realizing that he, he loved Stannis too much because I mm-hmm. think that the, the blind, Loyalty is something that we've learned so far in the story uh, doesn't serve the best interest of the person. It's true. Yeah. There's another great uh, point that was uh, brought up in in this chapter. And uh, I think Davos learned a lot from it and he will act on it in the future. And he certainly does so in the show. And and that is when, uh, you know, he tries to read the name on the ship. But <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't know how to read. Right, and I think that that is an important moment for him because it could mean life or death. You know, not that he really nah, he I can't doesn't have anywhere to go. Right, I mean, it's not like he can go run away. Right, uh, he's stuck on a, a a spire right in the middle of the ocean, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's on the ship in this case. But I think reading is certainly important, and especially yeah. for his. Um, his path uh, in the future, I think it will be very important for him to learn how to read. But I thought it was uh, it was interesting that that was noted in this chapter. And of course, we we all love the scenes with Shireen in the show uh, where yeah. she teaches him how to read. Yeah. So the seed's been planted, essentially, is what's happening. We're getting this is a setup chapter, and he, and he is surviving what happened at the end of the last book. But we're getting the struggle. We're getting the, uh, the, the sort of internal mission that he's thinking forward, or at least maybe modified behavior in regards to Stannis and Melisandre. But also, uh, the little snippet, just a reminder that the fact that he can't read is kind of a problem. Yeah. I mean, it could have been the boat could have been called the SS Stannis sucks. Uh, you know, and, and that, that would have told him the right SS, away. SS. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, that would have told him right away. Fortunately, he recognized it as being, was it a Lysine ship? Um, yeah. So there's, there's that as belonging to another SS, Salador San. Yeah. So Salador San's the SS Stannis. Uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, does Salador like Stannis? I guess he just fights for him, right? Yeah, I think he, he likes Davos. Money. And so, yeah, he does like Davos. So, it's like- uh, overall, I think, I think you're, I think that's totally right. Um, I remember giving, uh, I remember giving Davos the own for season three of the show because he learned to read, um, way back when. But, uh, of course, we're not there yet in the books, but you're right. That really did set up, uh, a lot. that arc, that arc pretty, pretty well, I think. What if we did something different, guys? What if we did, uh, listener owns? What if we read some of the owns from all of the nice people at home before we did ours? Let's do it. Would that be weird? I worry. I, like yeah, I would worry. I would worry that they, I would worry that they got the, I would worry that I would feel that's original. Are you I worried? Mine first. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's true. But go on. But go on. Go, okay. go, go, go ahead. Go on. This isn't an own, but Kate Appleby, the other Kate, writes in and says, Davos reminded me of Rose at the end of Titanic. I was about ready for him to go find a whistle and start blowing. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a whistle would have mm-hmm. helped, I think. You know what? I got mm-hmm. one from Zenobia, who says, yeah. this is, yeah, this is three days ago. Zenobia says, poor Davos and his Blackwater post-traumatic stress disorder. My own goes this, uh, my own this week goes to those sassy gulls sharing the rock with him. <laughs> They're no one's dinner. Did they, is that your own? Did it get taken? Is that what it, did it happen? No, it didn't. It didn't. I, my own is not as good as that. It didn't I'll go to sassy goals. Okay. It did not go to the sassy goals. They ain't no one's dinner. So sassy goals, right? Sassy, sassy goals. There we go. All right, here's one uh, from Sassafras Roots. My Firva. That's a really good song. Okay. Davos won. My own goes to Melisandre because Davos' hatred towards her, her God, her religion, and her actions rescues him. Great own. Amen to that or something. Yeah. No, really, <laughs> anger anger is a driving force uh, to survive. I think, hell, even in Titanic, right? What is she? Uh, doesn't she get married? She gets mad at Jack for dying that she is able to like stay warm with hatred to survive is that how it happened we need to get jim cameron on the line yeah i think that's pretty much how it happened jim you're on a like a jim basis with him <laughs> yeah oh okay jim, i know jim cameron jimmy so jimmy, jimmy jimmy cams jimmy cams we call him J cam <laughs> all right uh there's a bunch of stuff about our sleepover okay here's another own from susan stacy she says davos owned the stranger by staying alive and that is true i agree <laughs> The Bee Gees are here. That was awesome. Or something. <laughs> Excuse you. All right. Trying to add a little flavor. Uh, of course, Robin Escobar has written in, of course. Pablo's nephew. My own for Davos 1 goes to his potential tombstone, the Onion Rock, greatest tombstone ever. Oh, that was my tombstone. own. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? I'll rephrase, I'll rephrase <laughs> for, for my own. But uh, anyway, Robin Escobar likes the Onion Rock for being a tombstone. That's very distinctively Ooh. different from why I like, I like the Onion Rock. So, Ooh, I like Micah. <laughs> I, uh, I think we all like Micah. Yeah, me too. Uh, here's one from Pluisa. She says, Melisandre owns him, body and soul. He almost slunked off to die in his cave, but it was her who spurred him to live. Slunked? Is that a Her. Slunked? So is it her, Melisandre, or her, the, the mother? mother? That's a oh, good man. question. Oh, that's a really good question. Is he surviving? Did he survive because of divine intervention, as we talked about before, or because of his need for vengeance against Melisandre? Yeah. Maybe his need for vengeance was fueled by the mother. Maybe she gave him the plight. But if if he's living just to kill Melisandre or at least get her away from his king, can it not be argued that Melisandre saved him? Yeah. I mean, indirectly, I guess. That's Fucking crazy. Uh-huh. Blowing my mind. You gotta hate oh, somebody. Nice. It could be his hatred for the Lannisters could have saved him too. Gotta get those bitches back one day. <laughs> hold hold a second. Can we hold a second here? Uh I believe we're uh we're in the midst of a award uh, being Are we doing this? Okay. Given. We're doing this. Oh. So this right now be Tyrion's trials on the television. They're going through the nominees. This Many is exciting. Tinkin, apparently. Yep. John Voigt. We should do every episode with something on TV we need to watch while we record episodes. You are like you are like seven seconds ahead of me, Micah. All right, here we go. You want me to hold it? No. You can yeah, go ahead. Hold yeah. your <laughs> shit. I'll cheer no, if you get it. Breaking Bad. 
No way. You know, Peter just Dinklage. look at look at the way Peter that um, I think Peter handled that very well. Good for him, Paul. Yes. So <laughs> Peter Dinklage did not get an Emmy at the moment. What remains is uh, writing, directing, drama, and actress, supporting actress in a drama. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch. It's I time. can't even give it on after that shit. I mean, <laughs> honestly. No, Davos, Davos, this chapter that George wrote like 15 years ago deserves an own, Micah. It does. Uh, so if you want, I'll give you mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got that. <laughs> no, I actually give it to the mother uh, or whatever the uh, oh, italicized voice inside yeah. of Davos' head is. <laughs> okay. And we touched it's on his it feminine side. before. Yeah, maybe it is. And, uh, you know, it, Davos mentions that it was her work, whoever her is. Well, we know it's Melisandre. No. The voice inside his head says... Her work and yours, Onion Knight, you rode her into Storm's End in the black of the night, so she might loose her shadow child. You are not guiltless, no. You rode beneath her banner and flew it from your mast. You watched the seven burn at Dragonstone and did nothing. She gave the father's justice to the fire, and the mother's mercy, and the wisdom of the crone. Smith and stranger, maiden warrior, she burnt them all to the glory of her cruel god, and you stood and held your tongue. Even when she killed old Maester Cresson, even then, you did nothing. <sighs> I think that that's that's pretty serious homage, yeah, right? There. It is. It is. And that was like half the half the. Ch- I just read half. Yeah, the chapter you did. Right yeah, Great I job. was going to say you're going to keep reading the rest of the chapter first. Thank you. Uh, Actually, it was soothing. Yeah, it was soothing. It was like a wet velvety blanket. A wet but, um, blanket. Yeah. A velvety velvety blanket is what I meant to say. Uh, you know, my own is not as deep. It's actually to the onion rock. All of those shallow puddles. That uh, un- that the Onion Knight survived on were just enough to keep him going until he needed rescued. So I would like to give my own to the Onion Rock, as uh, Davos calls it, for sustaining Davos's life. In opposition of Eric's own, I will not give my own to the Spears of the Merlin King. These beautiful, beautiful juts of rock inside of Blackwater Bay that shipsmen and sailors alike uh, tend to avoid because of their their peril and their danger and the things that can be done to what you're sitting inside of. I'm actually going to give my own to the tide of the sea that kept Davos moving, kept him motivated in the way of, if I don't climb up this thing at night, I'll die because it gets taller and taller. And in the day, it leaves behind some presents for me and maybe washes up a crab or four. So to the sea for also sustaining Davos's life. You know what? There must be a moon. If there's tide, that means there's a moon orbiting this planet, doesn't there? Yes, but if we start talking about astrophysics and the way that it, I mean, like we're, we're talking about seasons yeah. that last yeah. generations and, and stuff. We saw a comet too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's some. This is like Game of Thrones from last year. Everyone fell asleep <laughs> during. By the way, do you like my tweet, Zach? What'd you tweet? You'll see. <laughs> Jesus. This is, he does this to us every time. Mike is like, did you guys like my tweet? And we're like, what? And he's like, go, go look at what I did. Go look at what I did. I just shat all over everything you love. That deserves an RT. Well done, Micah. My own goes to the Lyseni ship that sailed up because it was a ship where no ship should be. He That's knew true. where his rock lay, more or less. It was one of a series of sea monsters that rose from the floor of the Blackwater Bay. The tallest of them jutted 100 feet above the tide, and a, do- a dozen lesser monts stood 30 to 60 feet high. Sailors called them Spears of the Merlin King and knew that for every one that broke the surface, a dozen lurked treacherously just below treacherously. it. 
Any captain with sense kept his course well away from them. So what the hell was the ship doing then? I think the <laughs> ship was looking for him. I hope so. That would be cool. I, I think that's I think that's why they're there. That if they're cool. if they're sailing where they shouldn't be sailing, there's no good reason unless mm. they were searching for him. So good on the Lyseni, presumably Stannis, who sent them out to try to find Davos um to uh to <sighs> reclaim his onion knight. Such a bromance. That's cool. Such a bromance. That's cool. I think you had the best stone. I like that. Thank yeah, because you. you know what? That ship also did its part in sustaining Davos's life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kept him going a little, a little longer. Those were our owns. It's now time to go to the emails where the ravens carry letters, drop them into a bag that reads email. It has nothing to do with what it is or anything to do with what I'm saying for that matter. First email <laughs> from Aiden. He says, my own for Davos goes to the mother who gave mercy to the only person of Team Dragonstone that we like at this point in the story. Salador San. Oh, <laughs> and Davos. Uh, and he goes on to say, thanks for being awesome. Looking forward to getting to Catelyn 3 of A Storm of Swords Part 2 mm-hmm. and hearing your thoughts on that. Dot, 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 Aiden. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Aiden. A little foreshadowing there, buddy. Yeah, dropping some tension. Jeff Temple has no own. We tweeted this this week. Uh, his subject line is <laughs> solid work, bitches. And you can go to our Twitter <laughs> to read it. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. Thanks, that was Jeff. a good laugh. <laughs> Uh, Susan Stacy sending an own for uh, never mind. What, what okay, was it? Uh, was it for your butt? Did she think your butt was cute? Yeah, What'd she say exactly what it says. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's, it's in caps and it's in seventy two point font. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can skip over that subject line Davos. So I think it's for this chapter. He says my own of this chapter goes to a large Seaworth, the only Seaworth attempting to make the eight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't expect that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, as our good friend Robert Baratheon says, you're not a man until you've made the eight. Uh, he goes on to say, when Davos mentions his departed sons, he remembers all the women that he would <laughs> that would weep for Allard uh, from Alexander Blackfire. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't expect it, and I didn't move my mouth far away enough from the mic when I laughed. I got to the end of that sentence, and it goes, the only Seaworth attempting to make the eight. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you to Alexander Blackfire for that email. I laughed. Thank you, Blackfire. That's a hell of a cool name. Thanks for the laughs, buddy. Laughs. Plural. So, uh, Eric, uh, you want to help our our fine friends playing at home uh, find out how to join the game of Owns? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Alexander Blackfire knows, but for all the rest (laughs) of you out there, email us by... (laughs) Fuck. Email us that by old opening. Raven, Dark Wings. Dark, dark words. <laughs> that worked so well last time. <laughs> that old Raven. That old Raven. Dark Wings, Dark Words. <sighs> Send us an email at contact at gameofones.com. Yeah. I'll find out a better way of doing the email later. <laughs> but uh, uh, for Facebook, scroll upon our wall over facebook.com slash gameofowns. And on Twitter, we are at gameofowns, twitter.com slash gameofowns. Just start a new Twitter. Tweet at Game of Bones. Yeah, and can we just say thank you and holy shit, uh, you guys are awesome to the community at Watchers on the Wall. All of the kind comments of welcome. We had almost 200, I think, of people just being like, hey, sup? And it was just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah it was so nice. Wow. It was really impressive. We're really happy to be there. Thank you. Also, there's a lot of people wondering, like, okay, we get what that picture of those four people on the left is, but who's the girl on the right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. I was like, who's that girl? <laughs> That's That girl's me. Um, I'm Kate. That's a picture of me. Welcome, Kate. Thank Re- you. Uh, the reason I'm photographed by myself is because I have no friends. And, uh, no job. 
Zach, Eric, and Micah are just best buddies who go around hugging ladies that they don't know, I guess. <laughs> she hugged us, That's okay? That's all we do. <laughs> Gross, Micah. <laughs> Thanks, Micah. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> for clarifying that. Uh, so thank you uh, once again. We look forward to all the fun that we're going to get up to. And then and also uh, extend a, a thanks to the growing list of Bannermen on patreon.com slash goo. Uh, oh, it's yeah. getting there. And this week we're going to be letting out some milestone goals out of the gate, some stuff that we're planning. So uh, keep an eye on that. And uh, also and, uh, go on. You, go on. No, I was just, <laughs> just going to say, uh, <laughs> brought up that tweet earlier. <laughs> it's been retweeted 166 times. So thank you to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> who retweeted. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> Amazing. See, people really anyway, love that. It. Has nothing to do with the show. Nice. People really <laughs> love to hate. It does somewhat. But let's Jesus, that's a that's a lot of retweets. <laughs> oh, this is a fun night. This is a fun night, and there's more uh, Emmy stuff that's happening. Obviously, we're, we're closing the drinking. show out soon, but uh, we, we were we talking. Have another award coming up, by the Ooh. way. Oh, perfect. Neil Marshall. Oh, so this is uh, this is oh. writing. No, this is directing. This is directing, and uh, yeah. Paulina was. An amazing episode uh, from Breaking Bad, which I'm very terrified. Felina um, was good. That was the last. Well, wasn't that the yeah. last one? Yes. Shit, the series finale, or yeah. or a season finale. So this is going to be this is going to be you something. Know what? Hold on, to your butts. Neither of them won. True Detective won. This is two out of the five major awards that Game of Thrones did not win. I really hope they don't walk away empty-handed again. I really oh. hope it's two out of five. People could really like Lena Headey. The HBO family. True Detective rules, though. Yeah, guys. I'm not. I'm not too mad about that. That was a great episode. I definitely do there. want to watch it. Um, yeah, we have to. We have to end the show before we lose all the Emmys. That way, we're <laughs> not in like such a. Ru- I think last time we stayed up for the whole thing, and it was just the mood and like the sadness at the end of it was really palpable. It let people down for weeks. Well, let's uh... head on over to <laughs> iTunes and leave us a rate and review. We do read the reviews from time from time to time on the show. And uh, it is the month of August, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Mm. Yes, yeah. that is right. We had that on the calendar for August. Yeah, I saw that note. Yeah. We appreciate the reviews, friends. Okay. We certainly do. We continue to watch the Emmys and hope for awards toward the uh, great series that we speak of on a regular basis, Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> do we, how do we, how do we, every episode. How do we end the show while there's another show playing? Peace, bitches. We pretend that we're going to stop talking, but really we're going to keep watching this. And we'll hopefully speak to you guys this week. Hopefully with good news. That's right. Farewell. Fare you well. Fare thee well. Fare you well. You send me a picture of Mario Party 2. It's not a lot to go off. Zach and I were playing it. She goes, are you guys playing WrestleMania? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you send me a picture of Mario Party 2. It's not a lot to go off. Zach and I were playing it. She goes, are you guys playing WrestleMania? (laughs) (laughs) Is that even a video game? That's what I said. I mean, listen. That's Dude, what I, I said. I, I am in, I'm on a PAX panel this year where I compete against like 32 other people in the gaming industry 
by yeah. playing N64 wrestling. Oh my god, you got to be Rikishi. Wow. <laughs> I don't get to choose. They just it's just random. Stone Cold Steve. Austin. Yeah, I mean if Rikishi. I if I get lucky, but I'm going to rumble in my Rocketeer helmet. Oh, I can't. Awesome. I wish can I were can there. We just look up what what wrestlers are in WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's find out. I wouldn't know. <laughs>